this episode of Film Film. Today's episode is hosted by me, Patrick, and with me is Tyler. Well, we are unfortunately short on Richie. He's had recent developments on a new career path, a career tour, so he's up in the So we'll be back hopefully in the next episode, whenever that happens. Today, we are reviewing Diamantino, uh, which is my pick of today's film review. Uh, I'll give us the log line before we go and catch up. Diamantino is the film about a soccer superstar vows to adopt a refugee child while becoming a naive, unwitting centerpiece in a bizarre plot to make Portugal great again. Uh, before we dive into Diamantino, and all the soccer talk I'm going to force on you guys. Uh, how's the week been? Man, my week has been pretty, pretty good. I did get, well, I guess what, today's Wednesday? Yeah, I get Mondays off, so I went, I went golfing at like this super nice course, like an hour away at Cash Creek Casino. That was up for my buddy's birthday. And then I won... 150 bucks at the casino right after we were only there for 30 minutes big spender over yeah, here yeah well the round two it was like really nice so it's like it was like 150 bucks to play and then i was like fuck yeah i just got a, i just got my round for free <laughs> but yeah other than that it's been good my work got this new pos system <laughs> That's that sucks. <laughs> Learning Piece of shit system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. No point of service. Oh, that's what it's, that's what, point of service. But it is a pos. Piece of shit. But yeah, other than that, I've uh, I've been good. I've been real good. Yeah, I feel like those changes, <laughs> like it's always just a breeding ground for trial and error and like just headaches and everything like that. Yeah. Oh, I've also been other than working and and that. Me and Pat have been playing a bunch of Elden Ring too. Too much. <laughs> this this episode's gonna devolve quickly into just Elden Ring talk. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Okay, builds. Let's talk builds and weapons. Let's go. Okay. Okay. Uh, Pat, what are you rocking? I have a Joan of Arc Ultra Great Sword Faith Dragon Magic build. That's my. That's what I'm rocking right now. Does uh the dragon magic go hand in hand with the with a uh, faith and like arcane at all? Uh, I got a special like draconic seal, but it does scale. I think with faith and arcane, so it's kind of similar. I feel like they really did it up with faith in this game compared to like all the previous like Souls games as well as like Bloodborne. And yeah. I think I don't know. I'm still like I'm a faith person who's like jealous of the sorcery stuff I see. Like, oh man. They get they get some really cool magic. I feel like I feel like I I am on the exact same like fence post, just like looking over at the faith builds and being like, oh man, like I want to like cast like stars like shooting out of the ground and like chasing people down and like, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, I'm I'm all 
sorcery. <laughs> like I'm just all I'm a strictly intelligence build where I am swapping out between these two different weapons. One's called the Moon Veil, which is a katana magic sword that shoots like waves of magic. And then I am using the Dark Moon Great Sword as like my main weapon. And then I have like in my offhand, um I want to say it's the glint blade. Yeah, it's the glint blade uh, staff. And it. I feel like I'm really enjoying the magic of this game a whole bunch. And I'm cosplaying as Griffith from Berserk. <laughs> like, if he didn't cause the eclipse. Or, or Millennium Falcon, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of forget that middle part happened. Yeah, let's just forget that. <laughs> what about you, Tyler? What's your uh, background for your character? What's your I'm, a, uh, <laughs> I'm an ancient, ancient uh, stoner samurai with a dexterity <laughs> vigor build. <laughs> no, but I'm actually, I'm thinking that now, I'd, like once I beat uh, Renala, I, I, I want to pump faith. And I want to get that Moonveil sword. That's what I'm. That's what I'm working on right now. Mm. But, but for that you need faith, right? Or do you need intelligence for that sword? Intelligence. Yeah, you need intelligence. Ah, uh, see, maybe that's what I want to build then. See, this is like my first ever time playing one of these types of games. Mm-hmm. Like I've never played Souls, Bloodborne, any of that. What What do you think? Like, um, compared to. Like, prior to playing this game, what was, like, your impression of, like, these types of games? I feel like I never... I didn't think I'd be into them. Like, yeah, I never played Elder Scrolls or any of that. Like, I would, like, watch homies play it sometimes, but... I don't know, it just seemed kind of boring to me. And then even when this came out, like, uh, Connor, who's been on the pod before, and some other people were like, dude, you gotta get it. And I was like, I don't think I'm gonna like it. And then I was like... Fuck it, I'll buy it, and then I'll probably play it for two weeks and get over it, but I've been just playing the shit out of it for, like, a month straight now. But, yeah, it's heck of fun. It's, like, uh, it reminds, it's just, like, a way better, like, Red Dead mixed with, like, Game of Thrones and Elder Scrolls. I'd never really played Elder Scrolls, but... Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I don't really game that much anymore. Like, it takes a lot for me to get to gaming like I am right now. Abby's getting mad at me. <laughs> because you've been uh, spending a lot of time on it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I never play games. Come on. <laughs> then I try and get her to watch. I'm like, just watch. It's like inter- it's entertaining just to watch. <laughs> I gotta get her a PC and a copy. Yeah, we need to get uh wait, Kevin, you already do you you have a PC, don't you? Yeah, I have a PC that I built back in like 2013 or 2014, one of those years, and it's like still my my go-to but like it's starting to show its age just like my laptop my trusty old macbook pro from like 2012 
starting to give out. Went all the way through college, was it? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my Mac from 2012 is done. I did not like take care of that thing. Get the ticket out back. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. I mean, it still lasted like like seven years, eight years. I think the only reason why mine is even hanging in there at all because I swapped out the... I mean, I did, like, the usual thing that a lot of people do and, like, swap out the hard drive for a solid state and then up the RAM on it. And, yeah, I'm, like, honestly surprised that I still have it. But, like, it's, like, my go-to computer for, like, everything. Like, especially music production. Mm. And, yeah, I've I've had to, like, swap the battery out twice. <laughs> Cause I just leave it plugged in all the time because I'm a dumbass and I don't don't get like a Mac <laughs> Mini instead. But <laughs> yeah, so it might be time for a new PC build soon. Then you can produce oh. music and play Elden Ring. But with but us, the, gra- the graphics cards. Oh yeah, it's brutal. Pat, but didn't but you, didn't you have to get one of those recently? Pre-build. Uh, pre-build. Yeah. No, I got one recently. I called a friend. Close family friend, <laughs> not family friend, literal family. I have a cousin who lives on the East Coast and works at a Best Buy. And so he gets like first dibs. And he offered like, oh, if you give me the money. Whatever I pay to buy it and then ship it to you. Uh, so I got a really good deal on a good, a really good card. Well, uh, what kind of card is it? Ah, uh, it's an NVIDIA 20, or not, 3070? Ooh, damn. Cost a lot of money. <laughs> but not as much as the upsailers will look out you for. Mm-hmm. But it's Bro. supposed to be on the, yeah. We should all come together and pray that NFTs crash the Bitcoin economy. <laughs> and then we'll be able to buy graphic cards again. Without being ripped off. Or we gotta pray for a sponsorship. <laughs> so which one will happen first? <laughs> if there's if there's any crypto NFT guys out there, uh we won't talk about how it's essentially a non existent currency and the whole concept of currency is actually non existent is only reinforced through access to the market and militaristic threats. We won't bring any of that up in the future. We'll talk about how good it is and totally real and legit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the struggle is definitely it's it's real in terms of having to keep up with like today's technology and all this like software and stuff. And I don't know, man. I'm I'm tired. What? I'm tired. You don't want to you don't want to have you don't own your own three thousand dollar drone to get a 15 an hour real estate photographer job. (laughs) So that like reminds me of like this uh, job that I just applied. I mean, I applied to like a week ago. It was for a digital media specialist. And my major is communications and digital media. Mm -hmm. And you'd think that I'd have a solid chance at getting it right. No, yes. <laughs> not at <laughs> all. <laughs> and like, 
they said that they needed somebody who has like three years experience of like editing stuff and all this other stuff. I'm like, okay, I've been working with this software since like I was in high school. Yeah. Like, how do you talk about that and like try and bring that up? So I tried like being completely honest about it. Like in the no. cover letter, I was no. like, I was, I was like, look, you know what? I get that. Like you're looking for somebody who has like a direct uh, experience on paper, like on a resume. But I want you to know that like I have been doing this stuff for X amount of years. I'm incredibly experienced with it. Like I did. I'm just trying to get my foot in the door. And then mm-hmm. they emailed me back today, and then they're like, "Yeah, sorry, you don't fit the <laughs> the qualifications." I'm like, "Oh my god, jeez!" And then they'll probably just hire like somebody, somebody's like nephew. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, That's, "Well, like, made Instagram videos." <laughs> like, looks like I got to start off at an unpaid internship, just like everyone else. I basically gave up the dream. (laughs) I have like all this this nice camera gear too because I like tried to do that real estate like photography shit, like videos. Mm -hmm. And it was, dude, it was just so like, no one wants to pay you. And then if you do get jobs, it's like they barely want to pay you. That that reminds me of like this thing that uh, I I came across on eBay because like you know I'm when I'm bored at work I just like look at stuff, and uh, <laughs> there was like this ad for like a Blackmagic cin- pocket cinema camera, 4K version that I was looking at, and the the description was so sad like it wasn't like that long of a description, but um here I'm gonna like send it in our Discord right now. <laughs> Is it like the Hemingway tragedy <laughs> story? The, the three sentence tragedy. <laughs> it uh, I I just sent it in the chat, and it says a uh, Black Magic five inch four K pocket cinema camera. Not interested in video production anymore. I hope to sell to a dreamer. This camera will make your dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> that is like, hilarious. He's defeated. Like, but yeah, yeah, it's like so it's so defeating. And I'm like, oh man, is this just gonna be me in like a few years? Like, am I gonna give up the dream of like creating? Like, oh uh, god. <laughs> and then it just ends like on a positive note. It's like two batteries with battery charger exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> no, that won't happen to you, Kevin. Or any of Yeah, us, you can't give up you can't give up the dream. Now, you know why it won't happen to us? Read that last sentence. <laughs> this camera will make your dreams come true. No camera can make your dreams come true. <laughs> like the wise Mike. Like, what is it, Mark? What do we say? Oh, yeah. It, it ain't about the gear. Yeah. You can't buy a lens that'll make your shots good. <laughs> I I just like my heart bled for this person though as I was reading it even though it's something so dumb and like I was just like oh man the fire has gone out <laughs> I, I can just see like the trail of smoke yeah he's hollowed <laughs> he's lost all his runes 
<laughs> twice <laughs> in a row. <laughs> Yeah, I've had a I've had a tiring week to answer your question, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like ready to like crawl into bed, just like go to go to bed and then wake up the next day and just start again, you know? Like my my coworker was like telling me that like right at the start of the week. Like, yeah, you know, like this entire past week was just been awful, like I've just been crying, been like doing all this stuff, and then my husband just like tells me, "Nope, oh, just go to bed. Just go to bed." <laughs> Even if it's like nine, he's like, go to bed. It'll, you'll feel better tomorrow. Nothing's going to get accomplished by staying up and dreading, you know, like, yeah, just dwelling on this stuff. And that's a good piece of advice, you know, oh, yeah. whenever a day has sucked, just do what you can to get through it and then go to bed early, preferably sleep. The number one defense against all those, all those vanquished demons, as Nietzsche put it. <laughs> it's a little reminder of what death is. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I've had about the same week as uh, Tyler, minus the uh, getting outside and working out and winning money. <laughs> I've probably just been playing Elden Ring and. That's it for the most part, and working. How's the job treating you? Uh, I've gotten... I got a crash course in a new position I'm filling in for half the week while I'm working the normal position the other half. And uh, yeah, it looks really laid back, but uh, I'm not sure how ready I am, but I'm sinking or swimming this weekend. You got this, Pat. Nah, it shouldn't be too crazy. But yeah, it's been treating me really well. I'm really lucky. And I would say you guys should apply because uh, someone got kicked to the curb. Was it for... Okay, I'm pretty certain that I found a listing for that specific place. And I'm curious if that if that's the position that you're talking about right now. Maybe. There's openings, apparently. Because they're moving us all around. And everyone listening right now will not get any details. <laughs> <laughs> nope. You're not on the yeah. You're not on the list of nepotism slash friends. <laughs> Once, yeah. uh, I think I see it. Yes, whatever it is, apply. It doesn't hurt. Uh, yeah. I think I might. Uh, yeah, no. It, it it literally. What are they gonna do? Arrest you? Applied everything. That was my <laughs> rule. <laughs> Six years experience. I've been messing around in Photoshop. Like, yeah, I put that on my resume. I have six years of experience in this, five in this, three in this. Even if I only use it twice that year, I count it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll do it better than you still. But just give me the job. Just give me the job. <laughs> Apparently, it's... Yeah. it's it's really common for people to lie on resumes to like get uh, some of those higher up positions. Mm. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, kind of got to. Yeah, it's like you either you either game the system or the system games you, or you just get very fortunate and just are granted it. Yes, 
the pat way. <laughs> but uh, aside from boring ass job shit, I uh have been watching a lot of stuff recently. I um mm-hmm. watched Station Eleven, which Richie talked about a few episodes ago. Um, it's on HBO Max, and for anyone who likes post-apocalyptic subject genres, anything like that, as well as a theater, highly, highly recommend Station Eleven. It's only ten episodes, very nice, concise. The pacing is on point, and it's all about the ensemble. The characters are have so much depth to them. And they absolutely nail the tone as well as world building of basically an outbreak uh, taking place and wiping out a large portion of the population. And then all the rest of the characters have to decide how to rebuild society. And it is, it was a nice escape. It was a well. I I really enjoyed it, and I got so many moments during it that I got misty-eyed. All I'm going to say is Jeevan is the greatest character I have come across in a very long time. I'm I'm a sucker for a redemption arc, for, for anyone really, and that show, it does such an excellent job of, uh, of building up and paying off. And aside from that, I'm on season two of uh, Righteous Gemstones. Really nice. enjoying it. <laughs> I I love the entire critique that they have going on, as well as uh, just like, I don't know, it's just a fun time. And who doesn't like a fun time, right? Like, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I've been up to. I think... Uh... I've been slowly chipping away at Space Runaway. Uh, I'm hitting a hard part where it's uh, two Monster of the Week, two Formulaic. And uh, yeah, some of the stuff's going, it's, yeah. It's kind of like Ava, where you hit the, uh, where it starts getting tiring, the Monster of the Week stuff. Mm-hmm. But this one's taking longer than Ava to get out of it. I'm starting to like, oh, it's it's getting harder to watch because it's getting too repetitive and the anti-war sci-fi horror stuff isn't poking in as much anymore. Oof. But I'm going to keep at it. I'm not playing Elden Ring. And then, uh, Tyler, have you been watching anything or is it just... Gaming and golfing. <laughs> yeah, I've been strictly, strictly Elden Ring when I have time for screen time. I don't, I think Diamantino is the only thing I've watched since uh, our last pod. Speaking of Diamantino, I'm looking forward to your guys' reactions. If you guys are ready to hop in. Oh, I am absolutely I'm ready. ready. Okay. Uh, first thoughts. Uh, how familiar are you guys with the character? Not the character. That's per- the real person. The character is based on. I feel like I'm pretty familiar with Ronaldo. Okay. 
I only know about the stuff that you've told me about, Pat. Okay. That's that's my only exposure to to this person. Uh, and that yeah. they're like considered like one of the greatest uh players of all time. Yes. Yeah, we're in a we're in a very we're at the end of an era. If you're a soccer fan, we're at the end of the Messi Ronaldo era. Uh, arguably the two greatest players of all time. It's such a weird phenomenon and how inverse they are. Where Messi's like a 5'3-5'4 soccer player and Ronaldo's like pushing six feet, athletic, model face, uh, underwear model. When he was younger in his career, he did underwear ads. <laughs> like we see Diamantino in the film, like constantly walking around in his underwear. Yeah, it's just it's funny little Easter eggs like that the whole time I was watching this. And I was just wondering if you guys felt you were missing out. And then uh, I want to get the real world stuff out of the way because the film diverts a lot from the real life phenomenon and becomes its own thing. Yeah, I thought I, it was going to be like a like we were talking a little bit earlier, like a full on like sports redemption arc like based off the trailer but yeah this movie just took went in like so many different directions that i did not expect and i'm glad it did i just yeah i really enjoyed this movie from start to finish i um I prior to like you recommending this, Pat, I saw a few stills from this image and the stills that I saw definitely involved the puppies as well as the pink clouds and also like the the poster itself, like it it has like this very abstract imagery to it. So I kind of had a feeling that it would be like a very um, cerebral and abstract take on like the sports film of like following like an icon around and like and I had no idea that it was going to be this way <laughs> that it actually panned out and I was incredibly surprised like in all the best ways and this movie was unexpectedly wholesome and it was just such a great joy to watch and the humor was like spot on. I loved the character, the main character. I loved their like personality. Um, I loved how they embodied that fool archetype so well. And in terms of like uh, all of the the cultural t- or uh, the touches on like different cultural points that were brought into it, I feel like I kind of got the notion of what they were going for because like even if i didn't know about um ronaldo i would have just imagined that they were like making fun of like uh typical like sports stars like how they appear in like all these ads how they're like given a script to just read off of and like they're on to like the next interview meanwhile they're just like busy like trying to like do what do whatever they want to like to you know have fun or anything like that and yeah, I I loved having this movie just wash over me 
and it had so many cult like uh vibes to it like this is definitely going to be a cult film if it isn't already um it is so hyper specific in its content that there's no way it can that <laughs> that I mean, it stands on its own in its own niche category, and I love it. I I love everything about it. <laughs> Glad you guys liked it. I had never seen this, so this was kind of like a. I think the only time I, I was first made aware of this film was I think in the 2018 Oscars. I want to say I had like a nomination. I don't think it was foreign picture, but it may have been foreign picture or maybe effects. Or artistic design because like the the absurdist imagery and a lot of the style the film has like the blending of frames and uh so yeah this is my first viewing as well with you guys and uh i was really pleasantly surprised and i am very happy you guys enjoyed it uh it's really hard to talk about <laughs> the film without going right into spoilers because it's kind of like a it's not a slow burn. It's. It's the film feels like a. I'm trying to think about the plot points are kind of like revealed early. But then there's like a, not the plot points, the narrative, the narrative points are kind of revealed early. But then from there, the film is like this. Build up of pure good, pure goodness, a pure heart versus uh a hateful heart. And yeah, I just really appreciated that aspect, but it's hard to talk about all that stuff without jumping right into spoilers. So, yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to say, like, I, I absolutely agree. Like, there's there's no way that like we can talk about more of the like detailed stuff without doing that, because like. I don't know, it's to me, that entire journey between the two specific characters that we're going to talk about in a little bit, it makes the entire movie because you, and it's all built upon uh, people's preconceived notions of like what somebody of that stature as like a cultural icon might be like and how any type of publicity they get, it can be perceived as a front or like a mask or anything like that. And it was very nice to go behind the curtain to get more of a feel of what this certain character had going on for them, as well as, oh, the the whole, it, it got me in like the first few minutes of the film with the father oh. and, and <laughs> Demon Tino. And that, that entire, it, it's, it's very rare for me to like find something where there is a character right off the bat, like in, in any type of like media and then they end up or they don't have as much screen time as some of the, as a lot of the other characters do. And I think that the Im impact that this character left really sealed the deal on how this care or how this movie was going to be, be to me. And I ended up treasuring those scenes the most and it hit me right in the heart, right off the bat. All right. It's just brutal. Definitely. Early on. 
I'm like getting misty eyed in the first like five minutes of the movie. I love when movies can do that. I love it. Uh, so yeah, let's hop right into the ratings real quick and then go right into spoilers. What'd you guys think? I'm going to five it, dude. Five out of five. This is my like, I love watching movies like this. Like you're saying, like Kevin, like it just yeah, washed over me. It was, I was in it from the get go, and I was just like super excited to watch it too. I was like, look, because even with the trailer, I was just like looking forward to watching it. And yeah, it's just, it makes you feel so good. And I just yeah, I love the main character, and. I love like all the different ways this movie went and styles, even the look of the film. There were so many like beautiful, beautiful scenes. The certain songs, the classic, especially the classical. I loved all the classical whenever they brought that in. And uh, yeah, it's just a great movie. And there's a, it just brings up a lot to talk about. It touches on a lot of points. I'm going to give this movie a 4.25 out of 5. I have a feeling that this rating is going to change in the future for the better. Just because I'm still trying to like wrap my head around <laughs> the uh, cornucopia of content that it has <laughs> in it and everything that makes the film as amazing as it is. Um, Tyler, like everything you were saying, like the look, the music, Oh, the music, the, the music cues and everything. Oh, I just made this movie feel so much more grander and so much more rich for me in the end. And there's like the, the look to it is so unique and it has like this this gritty, but also yeah. sleek look to it. And like it looks like a sports car ad, but like the entire movie <laughs> Or, like, anything like, like that. like, super grainy. Yeah, like, it looked like it was, like, all shot on, like, super grainy, like, Super 16 film. And to me, Super 16 is, like, the pristine film look for me. Like, I, that is the look. And I'm always trying to, like, chase after that look in, like, my own stuff. And this was just a, a visual feast for the eyes. And cinematography was incredible so many of the the, fr the framing devices and the locations like everything had so much life to it and even like a lot of the side characters they just they had like such strong personalities that they were able to also leave a very strong impression and the the performance by the lead was just impeccable I loved the childlike qualities that they had. They were basically like a grown child, but mm -hmm. in a very like innocent and and untouched and like pristine way. Like they're like a gem that has been uh, left alone for like thousands of years. And then they come out and then people are just so in awe of it. It, it reminded me a lot of one of my favorite books called The Idiot by Dostoevsky. And... In that book, it follows a Christ-like figure who returns from a trip and it basically shows the journey of this person navigating through society and how all of these malicious people 
and just people that they run into react to such a pure and pure of heart individual and this that's like that's turning out to be like one of my favorite types of narratives because it it has so much idealism in it and it makes me optimistic and like hold on to those sort of pure notions and it makes me want to like embody a lot of those qualities too of, of just like being in awe of the world and not falling victim to cynicism even though it's like a vicious cycle like and I thought that the pacing of this was excellent a lot of the story beats had me they they got they sprung so many pleasant surprises on me I had no idea where this was going and like Pat mentioned a lot of the key moments in the in the story are brought to light within like the first few minutes. Like it, it says, this is what the movie's about. Okay. That's out of the way. Let's go ahead and explore everything we can in the remaining uh, minutes of the movie and, or for the remainder duration. And I was so down for the ride. Um, it, I didn't even care that this movie was about like a sports star, but like something that I'm not really familiar with. It, because it it provided this ground for like inclusivity because it went so far beyond that uh that surface layer and it really cut me to my core and there's just so much beautiful humanity in this movie and yeah I'm really glad you picked this pet because this is this is definitely a movie that I can imagine a lot of people coming across and just being in awe of. Glad you guys liked it. Uh, I'm biased. I would give it a five out of five. Uh, I just really enjoyed everything you guys mentioned. The cult classic feel that it already has. The visual, the visual elements, the stunning score. The beats that hit hard. Uh, if you you could like sit there and if you if you look at, like certain like motivations or plot moments, they kind of jump the gun. But the film's not about like being a maze. It's not like a time travel movie where people sit there and they break down, or where people like go back in time and forward in time and their motivations and the plot twists. It's it, to me, it's a unique visually stunning uh exploration into a multitude of the themes that i didn't expect it to go into and it's clearly a response to current issues and it it wraps those current issues in the bow of uh, a pure good heart versus a ignorant or malicious heart and it's just a Good exploration of good versus evil, purity versus impurity, and a little film, <laughs> which is something I wish our world could emulate. <laughs> and yeah, that's all my thoughts about my rating. Oh,
visual joke i want to know if you guys notice i'm sure you did but the samsung joke that was my favorite little sneak in joke <laughs> it's the galaxy <laughs> nine oh yeah <laughs> he holds up seven fingers <laughs> I, I love that little bit a little detail The absurdity of this movie is probably one of my favorite aspects of it. It just goes so far off the deep end so quickly. Uh, uh wait, are we in spoiler territory now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I'm really glad that they decided to show the main imagery that stuck out to me from the very get go, like during uh, like just screen grabs and that type of stuff with the, the large puppies and the pink clouds. Um, because it really set the tone for me and it really placed the character in a certain light. And I like to imagine that the main character is a static one because I mean, at least uh, for the, for the majority of the movie, because their main growth spurt happens in the very beginning which I can't recall a lot of movies or any forms of media where that type of arc happens. Like I can't recall it off the top of my head. And that just gave so much humanity to them. And it made me love them wholeheartedly, especially with the moments with, with their father, like where they're both on the boat mm. and he's like seeing that, Dimentino has like it has a lot of stress on his shoulders because he's or actually I don't even think he felt that much stress while they were on the boat it wasn't until they saw the refugees is that right yeah he's like yeah. aimless at sea and he's just like looking at the water and his dad's like oh are you worried and he's like no not really yeah it was it was a, it's so strange because at that moment that's the coming of age moment for him, even though he's like well into his like late twenties, like thirties. And it's just so like that, that all that does is make the ridiculousness of it all the more wholesome because I can totally see somebody in that kind of a fortunate environment or fortunate set of circumstances to be sort of shielded from the outside world and to just remain pure at heart purely because of that for better or worse and you just have this loving figure who uh is you know just having a normal conversation with with their child and it's just so touching it, there not much was even said between them like i want to say like probably like 2 minutes worth of dialogue and in those two minutes, you can immediately tell the type of relationship they have with one another where 
it's just pure unconditional love and the father says oh well you know win or lose like you will always be my son and i will always love you forever <laughs> and i was like oh, <laughs> oh god my heart <laughs> i love the uh, visual element of that character his father as a character like he's so not old but like he looks weathered he looks like he's lived a long life he's wise yeah very wise or just like very pure mm-hmm. yeah he's, he knows the important stuff and Diamantino's knows he's too young in mind and heart to like even appreciate his status appreciate all this other stuff and then yeah like it's a fun little exploration like him processing like when the refugees are like near their ship and all that stuff and they are yeah it's one of those it's like a coincidence but like visually it's very striking and of course like diamantino and his father are the ones helping them off the raft and into their yacht and like there's a great little pan up to his two sisters at the top of the yacht and taking like big drinks of their drinks while they do this of <laughs> like it really just communicates vis- there's a lot of communication visually instead of explicitly saying anything in this film that I really appreciate. There's like little motivations, little litmus tests of purity that happen. And I love how the two sisters are introduced as well. They're, they come up from underneath the water to the boat and they're wearing the exact same outfit. And of course they're twins and they are just textbook narcissists. And they kind of have like a, a hive mind where they're always in tune with one another and they're always placing themselves like their own needs in front of everyone else's. And even though they're perfectly capable of like climbing up the boat themselves, who do they have or who do, who do they yell at to help them up? Of, of course, Diamantino and yeah, get us two towels, two towels. There's two of us. Yeah. And he like gives them a drink and then like the other sister gets mad that he didn't think to give him two drinks she's like how dare you not know that you know we're twins you know you're supposed to always be thinking about the both of us not just one i love the twins <laughs> they're good villains they're so they're some of my favorite villains <laughs> very cartoony they're equally as not stupid like they're not smart i love that no. part <laughs> there's like very few smart smart characters And yeah, and then on the yacht, we're introduced to the a little critique on uh, intelligence, the intelligence community. (laughs) There's a drone watching Diamantino. And it's like not even a fancy drone. It's like just like a a drone that anyone can go out and buy. (laughs) And yeah, she's like, oh, he's laundering money, which is a it's like a subtle little. That's a real life reference. I think both current a lot of big soccer stars too have uh <laughs> it's a big thing to have a uh a family member be your manager in quotes and uh a lot of their job is to secure a big payout for themselves and hopefully they're like 18 or 19 year old 16 year old sometimes even child who's like a gifted player who's really like, yeah there's a lot of money being exchanged and there's a lot of famous examples of uh, 
seedy stuff happening in the real soccer world. I think uh, my mind goes to Neymar currently. I think his father had like when he was 16 or I think maybe no, not, I think it was 18 or 19. He signed with Barcelona before that. He was at a Brazilian team and like in the contract, I want to say there's like mention of women <laughs> for his dad. Weird. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, yet, like, yeah, like under the table prostitutes will swing by <laughs> as a part of signing my 16 year old son. Yeah, there's, there's some what? crazy stuff. Yeah, there's uh, I know maybe yeah. feel bad or not feel bad, but like have more empathy, like for a lot of celebrities, like it's like, dang, so many people get exploited, like even made me think of like the whole like Britney Spears stuff with mm. like her dad and all that. Another I I, I don't want to divert too much, but uh, something similar to this film, like the nationalistic aspect of Diamantino and Portugal. Uh, in real life, there's a really heartbreaking parallel to a Italian soccer player named Mario Balotelli. And oh uh, yeah, you're aware of the Balotelli phenomenon. <laughs> Wasn't he like Colombian or something, right? No, he's. Uh, I think he's a. Uh, he was adopted from. I think. I'm not sure, but maybe Ghana. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it's like a, this really. It's a really endearing story of a young, like a Ghanaian orphan who had, I think, some kind of like intestinal issue when he was born. Where like, oh, he's going to die or he's going to like have a bag to hold his intestines in unless he gets a certain surgery. Or I can't oh, remember. Wait, yeah, I remember Balotelli. Yeah. And then he gets adopted by played, a very like, sw- France or somebody. Like, uh, Italy, 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 Italy. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he was a. Uh, he was uh, adopted as like an infant or freshly born baby by a very like a very old Italian family as a part of this outreach orphanage type program. So he was he's from Ghana as like an infant, but he was raised in Italy. Uh, he got this necessary surgery and then he grew up to be a prolific soccer player. Exceptional. But ethnically, he is a black Ghanaian in Italy in this certain like very not welcoming still in certain aspects to players like that and yeah it was a, it was a tragic rise of a he was still like again even parallels the diamantino he was like juvenile he got in trouble for like sneaking fireworks into the national team <laughs> hotel and they got set off inside uh <laughs> yeah he used to he got a lot of racist chants and abuse rep- representing italy even though he's again, he's fluent in it. He's raised in Italy. Name's Balotelli. Uh, if you YouTube it, there's a great footage. There's great footage of after uh, one of the World Cup games. He like goes up to his mom, who's like probably 60 or something like that. This frail old woman. And she's crying and she's kissing him on the cheek. And he's like very like somber about it. And it's it's a, he's like for biopics. Balotelli is one of the more interesting characters there's so many rich characters if you follow the sport enough to me and yeah it's just this film touches on those themes of like this juvenile player it touches on the other aspects of like exploitation of those juvenile people it's all about profit in certain ways it's yeah i'm, I'm on a big di- tangent but yeah i just wanted to mention that aspect and just my appreciation for all the little easter eggs in the film as well as like stuff you guys picked on picked up on 
not being aware of those Easter eggs. Like this stuff does happen. The big money laundering his dad is probably doing, even though he's this endearing character. Like he's still like putting Daimitino's money somewhere for him later in the future. And then his sisters take that over and the government's investigating him because of that, because there's just so much money in the sport. There's so much corruption everywhere in our society. And in this film, it's not reflective of Daimitino, even though characters in the film believe it is his actions. Like they believe he's the embezzler. He's the fraud. One um, one thing that I I I want to know if like this is also a thing in sports commentary, but I I could tell that it was kind of a dig at it. But I just want to know like just both of your experiences with it because you you both obviously like watch way more than than I do. Um, but during the initial match that we see at the very beginning, where Diamantino uh goes for the goal. Uh, gets a penalty or someone he gets inter- injured and then he uh goes for the penalty shot the announcer was going crazy <laughs> with the greek imagery of like being like a god and like zeus on the on the soccer field and like <laughs> he was basically like putting all of his life energy into building up the legend behind diamantino oh, during yeah. the- these pivotal moments of, you know, between uh, him just taking in the entire moment and then the the moment where he hits the, you know, takes the shot. And then, like, right when he misses, <laughs> he's, like, talking about, like, how the world's burning or, like, something like that or how the world's ending, like, and the, the God has fallen from grace and, like... Yeah, it's all like, his all fault. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he like the fate of uh, Portugal rested on his shoulders and now they're like doomed because of this missed goal. Like how, how often does this type of a, uh, not to that degree, of course, but um, is that like a common thing in like sports commentary? Absolutely. Not to the in soccer. I feel like, yes, it's the most but, cinematic I mean, yeah, sport. Sure. <laughs> I will fight that to the hill. Soccer is the most cinematic sport out there. <laughs> football no that's too lame baseball then eh, it's kind of okay if the movie's good like a uh, major league <laughs> but soccer is yeah they're they're i could sh- i could bring up so many clips of uh one of my favorite i would watch occasionally is uh mcfadden for scotland against france he <laughs> uh, scotland's a smaller team not good but in just some friendly even i think against france a big team uh, the Scottish guy just turns and he just takes a long shot and it just hap- it doesn't happen to go in. It's like a good shot, but it beats the goalie and everyone's like, that was not expected. But the Scottish commentators, they are shouting. They are screaming at the top of their lungs. <laughs> what does he say? It's like a scrimmage game. <laughs> yeah, but he's like, oh, he's like, oh, McFadden turns this a long way out. Oh, my God, it's a goal. James McFadden from 40 yards. He's a genius for Scotland. Pitney Gills at the goal, the French goalie's name. He's like, pick it up. I think I think it was Landro. He's like, pick it up, Landro. France nil, Scotland one. And like he's like, his voice is cracking on the one. He's like, there's so much emotion in it. And yeah, there's there's so many. I'm gonna send them to you guys later without your consent. 
There's so many <laughs> clips I could bring up of. Yeah, the announcer is a big the announcer, the media. As well as the dark sides, the film touches on a great deal. And like there's a lot of sports washing. There's a lot of nationalistic aspects to national teams, especially the soccer ones like uh, Mario Balotelli being racially being the victim of racial prejudice because of uh, he doesn't fit into concepts of like white Italians or what the people view as like he's not a real Italian. There's so much of that. There's so much like uh, immigrant versus national native dichotomies and racism present in the sport to this very day, even though they try to combat that. they like the undertone and the current is all still very exploitive in there. And yeah, there is a lot of guilt, scapegoating and guilt and yeah, so theatrical as well as all these negative things like, yeah, it's not one player's fault. If the team loses, <laughs> it's a team effort. But yeah, it's our culture to scapegoat people. We can't look at our own failures or whatever it is. <laughs> it's this evilness of our culture. I think the film is commentary and doing commentary on that. Especially with the media interview. Yeah. When they mentioned that his father, who passed, he had a sudden stroke when he was being abused by Diamantino's sisters on the build up to the penalty because they viewed that as like their their uh what's the expression their source of income <laughs> drying up they only cared about themselves they viewed that as being in danger and they they lash out on their own father and they he gives them a little it's a little unbelievable that he just have a stroke that suddenly maybe <laughs> but it works narratively and yeah he's on the he's on the sports media whatever equivalent and they're like oh what do you how do you feel about your penalty miss killing your father <laughs> yeah yeah and then they said like oh it said that he was so unable to deal with like the embarrassment and shame that you brought upon like not only like your family but like the entire country as a whole and yes and you could just see like the, the horror and like the shame washing over this poor diamantino's face and yeah it was I feel like um that little dig um I mean it wasn't anything that was like done through dialogue, but it was all done cinematically where you can see like the decision making wash over the twins when the father suddenly does uh fall over unconscious and they start like berating him even more, calling him uh basically just like degrading him mm-hmm. and uh, they finally like go to check to see if he's breathing, and then they determine that he's well on his way to dying, and they don't even make the slightest effort or show the slightest concern afterward, and they just casually both glance up back at the TV and become even more invested in in the they shot that it. Diamantino's gonna that he's about to make. Yeah. It was just so saddening and and I love the juxtaposition because uh I want to say that they cut to like a shot of Diamantino just kind of escaping into his own inner world and you could just see the his world crumbling all around him because in inside of his mind we see that the puppies and the pink clouds are no longer there 
they've been overtaken by the waves and the shocking imagery and realization yeah. that some people do not have it as good as he does and that they're out floating adrift on an ocean because they're running away from something and sometimes their loved ones that they travel with die unfortunately and then they're all out there on their own and it just cuts from Diamantino's dad on the ground dying to the sisters not caring and then to Diamantino getting back up on the field that was a great little yeah his father passes and like suddenly he's like oh Diamantino's he's getting back up and then his father uh, appears in his little spiritual realm vision <laughs> and yep, like it's like nice. yeah such a powerful like even though it's something it seems like a like baby's first realization or as they as they call it or as diamantino calls it a an, an epiphany and then the sisters call it a, a fanny a f- yeah. something like that <laughs> But it just makes it all the more endearing because it's like this is such a huge growth spurt for him because he's been sheltered his entire life, it seems like, and constantly being kept in the corner by his sisters and also like abused, gaslit, you name it, everything and everything to keep him in his place to be the cash cow of the family. Yeah, it's really telling that in the news interview when, uh, they're they're grilling him about his failure and his father's passing and the Portuguese national team and what he's what his plan is for the future. He kind of he latches on to instead of any of that, he's like, no, I want to, you know, I want to honor my father and uh, help the refugees <laughs> because that's adopt a little Fuji. <laughs> yeah. Even though he's like so ignorant and, and yeah, he says maybe one from Canada <laughs> has no context. <laughs> And then the media just thinks it's a PR stunt. Yeah, including uh, Aisha, mm-hmm. our agent who is sent undercover, posing as a, a refugee child that whom Diamantino adopts. Who's just like so Who's playing a boy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and they're like this almost the same age as Diamantino. <laughs> Like, he really is just a child. Like, he thinks it's his fucking son. It's, like, clearly a grown woman. Yeah. I love that. I love he sets up the room for her. With it's like, yeah. With the sheet. Yeah. With the diamond very... sheets. Yeah, so many visual gags. It's like a little kid's dream room. <laughs> with the mini trampoline. Like, Yeah. And he's just so pure. I That, that was part of the surprise about the movie, how pure Diamond Dino is. And he has mittens with him. Oh. <laughs> The oh cat, my gosh! Dude. I love how often Mittens had screen time in this movie. <laughs> it just only added to the childlike qualities that Diamantino has. <laughs> yeah, I think that's part of the reason why I enjoyed it so much. Like, I love acting like a kid and shit, and Diamantino is just the epitome of like keeping keeping your innocence, your childlike qualities. And yeah, I love the I I love the the convoluted plot around this film. There's a there's a the love the two uh female the female couple of intelligence agents, one's a drone pilot, the other is an undercover agent. Their relationship is like 
present. And then Aisha and Diamantino develop a relationship. Meanwhile, there's a cloning. There's like there's a, a full like sci-fi side story. Yeah, there's a science fiction fascist cloning program to make Portugal great again, which is an obvious commentary on the Trump presidency. And as well as like referencing Portugal's colonial past. And current issues, the EU Brexit connection. Uh, <laughs> what else? Uh, Diamantino's uh, transition. I did not expect that angle. No, either. <laughs> <laughs> He's made chemically into a hermaphrodite, I believe. Through the fascists. Experimentation to reproduce the genius that is Diamantino. And it's like uh, like something clownfish genes. Yes, yes. And the great the great thing, you know, is the audience the whole time is his genius is his purity. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. um, The directors were able to pull so many influences from all over the world, like from so many different countries and so many different historical periods, especially in tandem with the, the Trump presidency. Because it is triangulating that sort of truth in a way that it can become more digestible to viewers. And hopefully it shines a light on how insane some of these concepts and ideologies can be, you know, from the outside looking in. Because... (laughs) <laughs> like even even the ads that he was in where he's being portrayed as the um as the protest as the pure-blooded protestant historical figure who's coming in to rid the uh the native portuguese people from you know their their flawed past to bring forth like this new uh this new golden age of thinking and everything and it's just done in such a wacky and cartoonish way that not only does it like poke fun at itself for like even presenting up or presenting this sort of uh commentary, but it also hits a little bit close to home because it's like, how often do we see like this type of messaging and propaganda? Like, I feel like it's it's so cliche because it's so overdone, like in in ways that we don't even recognize. Like even mm-hmm. like with car commercials now, like you have um Oh, I hate him so much. Yeah, you have like the uh the Midwestern uh white cisgendered man who's all rugged and what's he doing? Oh, he has like a cat and the cat is like on a harness and you know, they're both traveling the world together and they're going to their neighbors down, you know, like probably like ten miles down the road at their like five acre property. And then they go out into the snow and then like, oh, what is it? Oh, it's a car commercial for like Subaru or something like that. <laughs> and it's like just pandering to like all these different. All these different uh, subgroups of, of people in our society. And it's it's so, dis- it, you know, it reminds me of like, and I know that this might be, well, because I mentioned earlier that I've been looking for jobs and stuff like just stuff to apply to and so i go on indeed and then you can just see how like some of these companies are just like profiting off of like the narratives that are going on at the time like 
with Indeed, they have like the uh, the Ukrainian flag colors in their logo now, or it's like blue and blue and uh, yellow and or gold. And I'm like, okay, I get that you're in support of, of the Ukraine, but like, what sort of reasoning do you have behind this? Like, are you just are you purposely taking this side to save face? Uh, you know, compared to like Nestle or something like that, where you know you have like this multi-billion-dollar company who's refusing to come out of or refusing to um to leave Russia in terms of uh all their products and everything. Like they're refusing to stop trade with them, and so they're kind of getting a bad rap for that right now. Whereas you have like all these different companies like being like, "Oh, look at us! We're doing we're doing good! Like give us recognition." And I, I kind of feel a bit ambivalent about that because on one hand, you know, it's it's good that a lot of uh, people are doing what they can to not support the war that's going on there. But I feel this ambivalent energy coming in from, okay, but what's what's their ulterior motives that they're doing this for? You know, like, of course, like it's it's a win win for them. Because not only are they saving face, but like they're gonna implant like these impressions upon people where they are righteous and they they ha- they take the moral high ground in a lot of these situations. Like even like with McDonald's, like closing mm. down all the restaurants, <laughs> and it's like, I don't know what what are both of your thoughts on that? Uh, it's a very touchy subject. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna try. You know, you can go. I'll, I'll let I'm you gonna go. Do, I'm going to do my little rant. Or I'm trying to walk. I'm going I'm to walk on very carefully. But yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's it's hard not to feel. Uh, distrusting. As well as I would argue. On a darker aspect. It, there's I think there's an intentional. Almost. What is it? Campaign to 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 invoke a sort of schizophrenic state of mind in the general populace regarding this uh, current events. Um, I'm connecting that to the invasion of Ukraine, which is clearly horrible. It's something unprecedented in recent history. It's dark untreaded waters we're re-entering but these feelings i have that i'm trying to be aware of about this whole situation is it's from a position of extreme privilege as an american that we all share being the like hegemonic world power like this new is a new like even if it's not materially threatening us in our way of life directly that uncertainty that we're all feeling from the invasion, as well as seeing like these companies and the media build it up, which it is a big thing, but like the narrative shift, the narrative creation we're seeing around us, it's like this is like people in Lebanon have been uh, a lot more subject to tensions than we have, oh, or uh, Libya is a great example of uh, something abjectly horrible within their pet recent time that's kind of a result of our policy as a nation and it's like a schizophrenic feeling i get seeing the uh, ukrainian response from the benefactors 
of our system. Like they've done nothing but benefit. They've gained while well, we've we have citizens have gained. But again, it's one of those things of like we're we're not responsible for our birth origin, just like you wouldn't hold other people responsible for their place of birth or their whatever aspects they were born with. And yeah, so it's I but yeah, but the see Nestle or McDonald's get free good press. You see that good press embraced by the populace and this whole like like it it, it to me it fosters a schizophrenic feeling because like we've we've invaded a sovereign nation. Uh, oh yeah, Multiple. no one, no, yes, <laughs> yeah. we we've done shock and awe. Uh, we've done everything they've done. They're doing stuff too, obviously, which both are bad. But yeah, it's just like the whole dichotomy and current narrative around all this stuff, especially the Ukrainian conflict, is it feels uh, just it, it makes me almost insane. <laughs> it's, it's just like car commercials do. I I feel the exact same way, Pat. And it, it's almost like maddening to like a degree. Um, and the, just the, the sentiments of like feeling like you're slowly going insane by just like the narratives that are like being spun and like going back to this movie, like what does the Portuguese government in this movie do in response to this almost like catastrophic event that takes place when, when Diamantino misses the goal, uh, they use that as a sort of, uh, as ignition for their narrative to basically spin all of their goals and agenda into this new regime, this new, I mean, it's, they, they, they call it like an old mentality of, you know, making it great again. You know, they really pander to this form of like outdated nostalgia, which it's like, it, it never existed. We're, we're just like banking on the ideas that have been implanted into us, like through, a multitude of generations even long before like we were born long before the people in this movie were born um of uh these of these times of uh peace and prosperity and yes i feel like there has never been a time of peace uh like where there has been like no sort of like threats aggression anything like that um, because like there's always things that are going down beneath the waters and like there's always people who are like greedy. There's always like all these vices that humans fall victim to time and time again throughout the, the throughout our entire like course of civilization. It's just always been ingrained in us. And I am just saddened time and time again, like that these events like take place and that we show like our ugly side as, as like a, collective and it's like it, it makes me wonder what sort of a uh, breakthrough we would need to have in order to enter into the next period of growth uh in terms of like positivity and and benevolence rather than this hedonistic uh selfish period of time that we have been living in that we are ultimately paying for now uh mm -hmm. not just and human conflict, but in environmental concerns as well. Like our earth is literally dying. Um, and we are going to go long before it does if we continue on this way. And it's like that, uh, common saying of, uh, fuck around and find out. 
and like people saying that we're in the find out era and it it <laughs> i don't know like this this movie really struck a chord with me in terms of uh that that side uh story that they have going on with the the portuguese government constantly keeping an eye on this figure who not only brings uh in i mean they're they're basically upset that they aren't getting a piece of the pie uh that you know diamantino and his family is kind of side skirting them uh mm. by laundering this money yes and, i love that detail yeah and that's literally the only reason why they're getting upset and um since they can't profit off of him him anymore because you know he doesn't want to play so play uh soccer anymore they're going to such extreme lengths of cloning him and having like his dna on file for the remaining course of his of events to come in you know in terms of their regime and their their long-lasting dynasty because this is a profiting machine it's like they're basically creating um like a dairy farm but with diamantino as the cow and when this iteration of diamantino runs dry then we just cast him off you know burying him him in an unmarked grave and then bring in the new version and have like a full team of diamantinos like we don't even need diversity we don't need any any other form of person because we have found the true pure being and it's it real like, yes and it has a real like, portuguese player yes and it's like the epitome i mean and there's so many like uh, underlying notions of um of like the aryan race and like everything that was going on with world war ii of trying to create like the perfect race of of human being at, while basically getting rid of all the rest uh any sort of like impurities that they they find which I don't know. <laughs> like that's just one of the side things that are going on in this movie. And yeah. I just think that it does it in such a unique way that it doesn't it doesn't come off as like pretentious. It doesn't come off as being uh having too much of an agenda. It it's just one of the many ingredients uh that creates like such a unique blend that is very easy to digest mentally and visually and sonically yeah and diamantino is perfect it's not yeah it's it's not a prete pretentious i think it's aaron sorkin stuff it's not like that where it's it's invoking the same patriotism but it's also scolding and lecturing from like the other side of the aisle it's just pure diamantino's pure heart and pure everything and yeah we're filming this propaganda you know the Portuguese conquistador type figure slaying the Moorish and the other foreign invaders and protecting the great Portuguese land and how great our empire used to be and all this stuff. And Diamantino is just there like, oh, like a kid in an outfit. And it leaves the audience, it leaves us the audience to interpret that as like, oh, it's the same thing. <laughs> Those people looking to invoke the historical great men image to justify their goals or their purposes. It's like, yeah, it's the equivalent of him playing with a sword. Like, oh, this is fun. This is fun make-believe. I love how, like, cheesy they made it or just, like, terribly ran the production was. And, like, the acting, the, like, the, the, uh, 
like they let him take off his shirt and everything even like the cgi like of his like breast or whatever it's like a clear like like i don't know it's pretty obviously green screened yeah they just sit on it (laughs) commenting on like how like i don't know just how dumb some of these people can be and people will eat it up i love i love that uh our two uh lesbian characters this is lucia and uh aisha aisha yeah it was a subtle little thing too where they're they're a part of the intelligence force of the nation and aisha reveals this like fascist plot with like you know cloning and all this other stuff it's like slam and like the prime minister is involved i think she says and uh yeah they're like oh you've been like yeah you're you're not supposed to be looking into this like even and then and then aisha's girlfriend really doesn't care about it she just cares about like their relationship and the how's already on the rocks kind of because like she resented her hot-blooded nature and her desire to go undercover versus like why don't you become a drone pilot like me? It's like a, a subtle little commentary. Like then we could be together forever and like we wouldn't have to be apart. And it's like. Yeah. I, what about the rise of fascism? Like if it's really happening when you care more about stopping it like Aisha does. Yeah, and it's or just like, saving um, this innocent person. Yeah. And it's like they're. Even from the very get go during like this, during these physical exams that. uh uh diamantino's sisters are sending him off to like unbeknownst to him that he's getting cloned um i i love that aisha uh when she first tries to dig up information on him she goes to the uh computer pulls up like this really cheesy <laughs> like hacking um software uh visual effects and it, it works so well. Like, I loved all of the visual effects of this movie. There's so many and, gags in there. Yeah, and it's like, we okay, we don't need to see, like, the top tier, like, visual effects for this because we get it. And then, like, obviously his password is, uh, what is it, like, Tino or something yeah, like that? Tino. <laughs> Tino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, she, like, tries to search, you know, just write, just, just the most, like, canned, first search that you can look for and it's like offshore accounts and it's like oh there's nothing and then um all of a sudden she goes into the folder it says diamantino's folder do not open and it's just a bunch of like photos of puppies and then like one of his like face in like a galaxy and you, you could tell that he's like not even like narcissistic you could just tell that he just thinks it's cool seeing him in like a galaxy and like all these other things and then she like of course like sends it to Aisha to like get a gag out of her and she thinks it's funny. And then um I I really enjoyed the bonding that Aisha and uh Diamantino have together like doing all of these like father son activities mm-hmm. of even like uh where they're driving down the highway on like their motorcycles and like they continue the gag that Diamantino thought that he was going to have uh, you know, a young kid yeah, to adopt. He's got the fucking mini bike. <laughs> yeah, and Aisha's on the mini bike. <laughs> and he's on the full size one or something, or it's vice versa. I don't know. 
No, he's but on the I, full one. She's on the little kid one. I just love all of the all of the like. To me, that's comedy done right in in cinema. It's like you have to use the medium in a comedic way. You can't just rely on all of these on on just pure dialogue and like performance. Like you have to use all the tools at your disposal to to um to induce laughter. You know. And it has to be witty. It has to be like all these different things, because if you if you don't utilize those to your fullest, you could accomplish the same exact thing in any other form of media. You know, it's like, why are you using this media, this medium then? I mean, of course, like you like everybody is entitled to doing it, but it's like you aren't utilizing it to the fullest that it's intended for, you know, Um, because by you by doing so, it makes it completely unique unto itself. You're basically exposing people to this 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 uh very cerebral experience of being placed in like a dark room hopefully like where there's no other sounds or lights or distractions or anything and you're basically like flashing on screen memories like a, a miniature lifetime in front of them and it's like i feel like this movie really excels in in its comedic aspects by doing these visual gags and by lacing it with, um, you know, that one instance that we talked about earlier where he holds up the seven in for, instead of the nine. And <laughs> it's just so brilliant. <laughs> I love the, uh, the Panama investing app. The sisters had <laughs> the passwords. That's it. Two the passwords. <laughs> Yeah, they're just like the same as Diamond Genia, but they're like mean <laughs> and not pure hearted. But they're just as dumb. And yeah, a little Panama Papers reference. So many great oh, things. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. And yeah, it's hard. This, I was just, this movie's a bit hard to give a breakdown because it's an experience, I feel. Like, uh, we could talk about the puppies all day, but to see it on the film is its own feeling. And same with the plot points. And, like, they're not of greatest, the greatest consequence. Yeah, those scenes of them bonding, like, riding the motorcycles and having, like, the a sword fight on the beach and stuff with that classical score oh my god dude it was just that was such a beautiful sweet sequence that i'm just like that that's the stuff that i watched that like makes me want to make make something or create something yeah to like spread that feeling to other people right yeah that's the beauty of it like it's just a breeding ground for shared experiences to build up a community. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of the twist, the romance, the shift into romance ah. towards the end? I was like very uncomfortable at the start. <laughs> I was like, oh. I don't know how I feel about this, but then towards the end, I'm like, 
Yeah, this this is fun. Uh, I saw it coming, but I enjoyed the execution a great deal. But I did have the same early feeling. But like when Diamantino's in that sensory deprivation tank, and he's trying to like capture the puppies in his mind again, and instead he sees Aisha uh, as a woman. Mm-hmm. All this other stuff, it's like it's communicating a lot of like, uh, maybe it's subconscious. Maybe it's like he's not smart enough to realize it, but he's slowly realizing it. As well as the changes to his own body, he's not like. He's he views this perfectly natural. That was such an endearing part. Of. His character, I think it's like. Maybe it's he does understand it, but like at, he he doesn't worry about his body's change. It's not like, yeah. yeah, that was so touching to me. Like he felt like no sense of like body dysmor- dysmorphia or like anything or or like a sudden shift in identity. He just viewed them as like lumps and he yeah. was just concerned that he was growing something so quickly. <laughs> and he's like. He was like shy about him, but he wasn't like, oh my god, I gotta like get these removed. I gotta do this, that, or the other. He's just like, oh, like uh, take off your shirt, Diamantino. He's like, oh, I have, I have like lumps. I can't. <laughs> I'm not comfortable. He's trying to communicate, but they walk over him. I I felt the same way about the the shift to to romance too. Uh, there was like a part of me that was just wanting to have the reveal because the reveal was coming one way. Just like the gun going off. Um, uh, I kind of wanted it to remain the same, but it's like at that point, it's no longer the same movie anymore after the reveal is done. And it's like to try and continue that same dynamic, the movie would just go on forever, you know? Um, I, I think that a lot of the... Uh, points or the the device that really helped ease that transition for me was the use of voiceover um i voiceover is like just a common device that's like used throughout like time or cinema from like it's like right from like the invention of like sound like brought into it um and i always think back to uh the specific moment in a movie called adaptation have you have either of you seen that? I need to. No. It it basically like deconstructs like it's it's like the movie it's it's a movie for people who love film and that sort of thing. Um and it's also very self-critiquing about that. Um because like those those kinds of movies like you know, I see it on like so many like small platforms now uh especially with like indie stuff where it's always like artists creating art like that's and it's like a movie about that and it's like okay but you're really limiting your by doing that because you're pandering to this like very select crowd who are basically just like stroking their own egos like watching this um but like i feel like um oh gosh where was i what was i talking <laughs> sorry i'm like losing my my train of thought uh, his narration as their relationship oh, yeah, changed. Yeah. yeah, his his narration. Um, his the thing that really um 
like it reminded me of adaptation because uh the main character talks about like how you know he's tried to write a screenplay and he's like okay i'm gonna use narration and he's like oh well that's like everybody uses narration that's so unoriginal and everything like whatever and like as somebody who like writes scripts i like constantly have that thought in my head of like using that and it almost makes me like never want to use it or anything and i have yet to use it but um when the narration first came in during this movie it was something about the way it was executed whether it was like the tone whether it was the 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 writing anything like that it just came off as so authentic um because the character just embodies the fool archetype so well and he's talking about all of these events in hindsight of how like everyone everybody got one over on him and how he was so oblivious to it and during that moment when um he comes to the realization that Aisha is not who she says she is he is just so broken hearted by it because it's just yet another person who took advantage of him and he doesn't even try to like sell her out or anything he just drives the boat to the coast and then calls his sisters because he doesn't know what else to do <laughs> and i i thought that was so sweet and you could just tell that he was just so confused because you know he tells Aisha you know or Rahim uh before Aisha reveals that she isn't Rahim um that she's the only one that he could trust anymore as they like escape off onto the boat after <laughs> all those like brutal events take place and I don't know it it really helped ease that transition for me because you could tell that this is something that his character had been craving his entire life is to like feel this sort of unconditional love uh between himself and another you know outside of his uh like family figure being his father and especially after losing him like and being struck like such a deep blow and just feeling so isolated in the world it, you could tell that this was something that was very much appreciated and it didn't seem like he was taking it for granted in the slightest bit. Like he was like, I, I forget what he exactly says to uh, Rahim when they first meet. Uh, he's like, I've been waiting my entire life for this moment to meet you or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it just came off as so pure and just so loving that it just, <laughs> it just makes me want to be a better person. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that was another part of the relationship where, I don't think Diamantino initiates none of the intimacy, especially towards the end. Because he does have that. He He's trying to reca recapture that bond with another outside, like, but parallel to the one he had with his own father. Like the uh, unquestionable love. And so he's like, oh, I'll, adopt, I'll adopt a refugee and this will, I'll be a father to them. But then Aisha towards the end steers it towards a... Uh, partner relationship which is uh yeah you couldn't have diamantino do that that was another aspect i liked about that's how it worked for me if it didn't if diamantino initiated anything it would be gross and not have the yeah. same <laughs> impacts <laughs> so yeah. with the ending do you think it's like like you and i were talking about this earlier pat do you think it's like a sh like a growth like a like when he's like saying goodbye to the puppies or Cause they cut to that like right after Aisha gets shot and uh, Diamantino is like on the verge of 
or was on the verge of death from being cloned. So I'm like, did he? Did they both die right there? Because in the next scene with the puppies, there's like a light at the end of the tunnel, like to the locker room, and he's saying goodbye to the puppies. Mm-hmm. And it cuts to the scene, and then on the of them on the beach. Uh, and that's up for interpretation, I guess. I, well, I feel it. like I don't think they died. I don't think they died. Yeah, I said I interpreted as him like a coming of age part where he's saying goodbye to the puppies, the child innocence, the child, him being a child yeah. mentally, and then he's finally grown. Yeah, I because uh, my thing was in the when he's saying goodbye to the puppies. Uh, He's naked, but he doesn't have breasts. And then same thing when he's walking on the galaxy on the beach. And all that, the, the, the stunning visual of that part, he still doesn't have breasts. But then when it cuts to him and Aisha on the beach, he has his uh, breasts. So I interpreted that as them living after. And they got because we don't see Aisha's wound or her bleeding. The fascist ladies holding her under the water to drown her. So yeah, that's just my interpretation. But it is open. I can see it being both ways. I like I like that. I like that interpretation. Yeah, what did you think? I you phrased it so well, Mike. That is exactly how how or almost identical to how I perceived that ending. Um, I just viewed the ending as a complete and utter acceptance of the other, regardless of the events that took place prior to it. Um, I don't think that Aisha died, just because like this movie had such a a heroic ending or heroic sense of a a heroic climactic moment where. She does get shot, but maybe it's not fatal. She just happens to fall in the water. And then we have Diamantino come to come to and then slay the enemy, of course. And then I think that it's a very fitting ending for this character for these sets of characters. Like uh I am in complete belief of it. It does not seem out of the ordinary to me. And it makes sense narratively for this type of ending to occur, especially with the with uh, the transcending this childlike innocence, while also maintaining a core aspect of it, while you know that being a shared bond between he and Aisha, uh, they both engage with each other on this level so they can keep the flame alive, and they still have bongo juice. Uh, mm-hmm. They still have uh, Nutella crepes and waffles with whipped cream to share with each other. So I think that that's what they're doing. They're just on the beach with each other yeah. <laughs> eating those foods. I think that's what that galaxy on the beach visual is. Yeah, it's I like love the, that. Such a beautiful like, shot. He's like goodbye to the puppies and the bright colors of like ch- his childhood, whatever. And he has this newer uh, appreciation for the world or life. And it's connected to the thing that 
initiated the change, which is like seeing the refugees struggling to cross the ocean. But it's also connected to him and Aisha's good times together. And yeah, I was like, yeah, that's what I interpret it like the yeah, the beach, the peaceful beach him walking along it now instead of it being like a big waves and a dark blue. And it's like a yeah, bunch of stars in the whole universe. And he's a small figure in it, but he can appreciate it all. It's my read. He lives, damn it. Yep. There's no way. That's what I, I was like. I'm going to be so sad if they think they die. <laughs> but yeah, I love the ending. And his quote at the end. He's like, we're here and we're happy. And this is great. This but yeah, cool. just, just start to finish. I love this movie. Definitely going to be one where I'm like, gonna tell a bunch of people like oh just just watch this glad to hear that this was a a much needed escape and viewing experience it filled my heart with so much joy anybody who who's needing a healthy dose of that check this movie out definitely we needed it compared to Uh, our last compared to our (laughs) Main, uh, our last couple, maybe our usual dish of movie we're watching. I, yeah, I'm happy to pick a movie and I'm happy you guys appreciated it. I wish I, mean, I think it's just harder to find movies like this. Good ones, I think, maybe. Good hey, ones, you know yeah. I'm gonna one up you, Pat. My next, <gasps> my pick is gonna be Joe Dirt. That's not fair. Let's go. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But in all seriousness, though, Joe Dirt is a fantastic movie. I don't care what anyone says. It's a fantastic yeah. movie. Joe Dirt's Joe Dirt is essentially American Diamondino. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> same exact archetype. Same exact narrative. <laughs> not really, but <laughs> no. Some candied inspired them all. Uh, I have no more thoughts on the film, except for I'm very thankful you guys enjoyed it. And I hope more people see it. That's same. Great choice. Yep, definitely a great choice. All right. Uh, with that said, be sure to support the pod or just keep listening. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, hopefully you enjoy the Instagram posts. And uh, just keep an eye out for future episodes. Uh, if you ever want to contact us, feel free to email us at layfilmpodcast at gmail.com, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, feel free to send any emails. If you watch any of the movies and you have any thoughts, send an email. I will, I will read it and probably respond unless it's something heinous you're saying. And uh, yeah, just <laughs> keep listening. And thank you all. And thank you guys for always joining me. Absolutely. Yes. No, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Pat. All right. Take care, everyone.
انت مكتوب نسى كارنيشت ممانت نسى Estamos felizes? Prontos? E aí, Aisha? Estamos juntos, felizes?